I'm Adrian, I'm one of the teaching pastors at Alpine, and get the pleasure of continuing in this sermon series with you, Jesus in Genesis. And, and I hope that you guys have, have been enjoying this series. I mean, it, you know, it is kind of exciting being able to, to look into the, because we have the New Testament, be able to look back into the Old Testament and specifically Genesis here and see how really the Bible is, is always pointing us to Jesus. You know, that first week in the series, it was Jesus reverses the curse and, and we got to see Jesus at the very beginning of creation, creating all things, and then got to see Jesus as, as really the, the seed of Eve, that seed that would reverse the curse uh, that was put on all creation from, from the sin of, of Adam. And then week two, the priest, um, Jesus, the priest like Melchizedek, kind of that reminder that, that pursuing God is, is, is not about following a bunch of religious rules, but about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then last week, the son, Jesus, the son at the altar that story of, of Isaac being led to that altar and, and God providing a substitute for him. And we saw that Jesus is our substitute, that Jesus put himself on the cross so that by putting our trust in him, we could have forgiveness of our sins and be in relationship with God. And today, our, our series today is, or our message today is Jesus, the stairway to heaven. Now, our story today has got a lot of, of dysfunction in it, right? It's a story of a lot of, of dysfunctional people and broken people. But what I hope that we can get out of the story today is that, is that even in our dysfunction and even in our brokenness, God is reaching out for us. God is reaching down to us. And that our brokenness and our dysfunction doesn't stop God from fulfilling his promises to us. You know, when, you know, the thing about it is um, the story today is all about this guy named Jacob. Now, Jacob, again, dysfunctional, broken, and he's about to make some decisions that, that, that turn his life upside down. Now, Jacob is the, the, the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac. If you remember from last week, Isaac survived the, the altar ordeal, has grown up, has, has married, and now has two sons. And, and, and now he's got this, this family. And, and you know, the thing that kind of struck me was a lot of, for a long time, I would read the Bible and I would think that you know, the Bible was telling these stories of people, and it was stories of, of people that didn't make these huge mistakes, right? The stories of, of people that, that seemed to have it figured out, and, and God was able to use them in incredible ways. But the truth about it is, is that the Bible is full of stories of broken people, dysfunctional families. The Bible is full of brokenness, and, and despite this, God reaches out to these people, these broken people, and God uses, despite their brokenness, God does amazing and wonderful things through these broken people. 
And you know, this is exactly what we see, what we're going to see in our story today. And, and we want to kick it off with this. Jacob deceived his father and stole Esau's blessing. He had to flee in fear, and along the way, he had a powerful encounter with God. Now, I want to start this story uh, with, in a, a conversation Jacob is having with his mother, Rebecca, and it's found in chapter 27, verse 8. It says, now listen, now my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring to me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take that food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. See, what, what has happened is Rebecca, uh, Jacob's mother, has overheard Isaac having a conversation with their son Esau. See, Isaac believes that he's, he's close to the end of his life, and, and what he's asked Esau to do was to, to grab his bow, go out into the field, grab some wild game, cook him a, a bowl of soup, bring the soup to him, he's going to eat the soup, and then he's going to give Esau his blessing. Now, culturally, uh, in this culture, there were kind of two things that would be passed on to the oldest son right? The eldest child. And it was a, an inheritance and a blessing. The inheritance you can think of is, is kind of the same thing that what we would pass on to our children if we've got anything left by the time we pass, right? It's kind of our, our earthly wealth, right? Our, our riches, in a sense, that we would pass on to our children. In this culture, the, the vast majority of that would go to the eldest son. And then we have the blessing, Right? And a way to think about the blessing is kind of like the, the family legacy, right? The, the prominence of the family and, and really like the, the family leadership would be passed on with the, the, the blessing to the oldest son. Now, the thing in this story, remember there's two sons, Esau and Jacob. Well, they're twins. And the Bible tells us that when they were born, Esau came out first and then right after Esau, Jacob was born holding on to Esau's ankle with his hand. The Bible also tells us that Esau was a man of the, man of the fields, a man who liked hunting. And it says that Esau was Isaac's favorite son. Jacob is described as a quiet man, a, a, a man of the tents, dwelled in tents. Some people have described him as a mama's boy. And indeed, Jacob was his mother's favorite child. And so parents, real quickly, something to remember. It will cause dysfunction and brokenness in your family if you choose favorites among your children. And we see this in between Jacob and Esau as it appears that they were kind of pitted against each other probably for the affections of, of the other parent who had a, a, a different favorite child. But during this, Rebecca, she overhears Isaac telling Esau that he's ready to give him his blessing. But Rebecca wants her favorite child to receive the blessing instead of Esau. And so she concocts this plan, this, this plan with Jacob, tells him to go get some goats, and, and she's going to prepare... Isaac's favorite soup. 
She's going to, have, going to have Jacob take that soup and into Isaac. And, and what Jacob does is he actually takes some of the skins of the animals, the goats, and, and covers his arms with it because Jacob was a hairy man. Or Esau was a hairy man. Jacob was not. So he was going to cover his arms with the hair so he would feel like Esau. Right? He, he actually went and got some of, Jacob, some of Esau's clothes so that he would smell like Esau, and he takes this soup into his father. You know, Isaac is, is going blind, so he, he can't really see. And, and Isaac is in there and having this conversation, and he's doubting that this is Esau. It sounds like Jacob, but smells and feels like Esau. Is it really you? And Jacob's, yes, it's, it's Esau. He convinces his father and Isaac gives Jacob the blessing of the firstborn son. And as soon as Isaac leaves, successful, Rebekah and Jacob, their, their trick worked. They have fooled Isaac. And as soon as he leaves, guess who comes in to Isaac's tent with a bowl of wild game soup? It was Esau. And when Esau finds out that, that Jacob was just there and that the blessing has already gone to Jacob, he was furious. He was upset. And he had decided in his mind that he was fed up with his brother and that he was going to kill him. Rebecca heard about this plan and she reaches out to, to Jacob to let him know. So she sent for Jacob and told him, listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay, stay there with him until your brother cools off. Now, look, if, if this is not a dysfunctional family, I don't know what is. I mean, look at what you have. You've got a, a mother who is willing to deceive her own husband in favor of her favorite son, You've got parents that have chosen favorites among their children, and really what they've done is pitted their children against each other. You've got one brother that's willing to lie to his father and deceive his own brother, and then you've got another brother who's, who's basically plotting murder in the first degree against his own brother. A dysfunctional, broken group of people. And in the middle of all this, Jacob has made some decisions that are throwing his life upside down, right? He, he's made a decision to deceive his, his father and his brother. And you might think, well, well, Jacob was just being a good boy and just doing what his mom said. But the problem is Jacob knew exactly what he was doing because Jacob wanted that blessing himself, Right? You read back in, in Genesis, you'll find out that this wasn't the first time that Jacob had actually deceived Esau. He had actually already stolen Esau's inheritance. Jacob knew exactly what he was doing, and his choices have thrown his life into turmoil. He's running from the very problems that he's created. You know, I think we've all been kind of in this position before of kind of what this trip would be like. Right, what, what Jacob is going through now that he's had to leave, probably everything that he's known, his, his, his community, he's leaving his family, even though they're broken, right? He, he's leaving his family. 
He's leaving the, the inheritance and the, uh, and the blessing that really that, that he had kind of lied and deceived to get. He's having to leave all that behind, running for his life. I think we've all probably been in arguments where we've decided to leave, you know, leave the situation and we're off on our own. And we kind of go through this, this process of thinking through what just happened. And at the beginning of that process, usually it's always everybody else's fault, right? Somebody else, they treated me wrong. They did this to me. I was right what I did. I had the right to do it. And then hopefully, eventually, we kind of work our way into kind of really thinking about what we've just done and the choices that we've made. And I think that Jacob had to be at this place walking through this desert alone, running from the problems that he's just created, wondering what his future is going to be like, going through these emotions of regret, guilt, uh, hopefully, I mean, probably feeling a little shameful for what he's done to his brother and his father, hopefully a little remorse. But it's traveling, struggling with these emotions, running for his life, He's probably searching for uh, some direction. He, don't, he doesn't know what his future is going to bring. He, 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 I mean, he only knows where he's going, but he doesn't know what's there. His world is turned upside down. And it's at this point that Jacob has this incredible encounter with God. We see the beginning of this encounter in verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left for Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth up to heaven. Now, I want to pause here for a minute and just think about Jacob on this journey and leaving, I mean, running away from the problems he created. Life turned upside down. Don't you think that, I think sometimes we have a lot in common with Jacob at this moment. I mean, if you're, you're like me, you've made decisions in your past or, or you've made decisions that have thrown your life into turmoil. Right, you've made some decisions that have broken your life. Have you in that place of wondering what the future is going to bring? Maybe your brokenness comes from something terrible that somebody has done to you, but it's, it's broken you and thrown you into a place of confusion. Maybe you haven't made any terrible choices, you know, Choices that have thrown your life into turmoil, but you've been working hard to, to kind of prepare for your future and, and to kind of build this future and happiness for you and your family. But everything that you've done still feels empty and dry. See, I think there's always that all of us face these points and times in our life where we're broken from decisions we've made, from things that have been done to us, where we're broken and we're searching. Things seem uncertain. And we're searching for hope. 
and peace. And you know what I think that really is, is, is actually our, our, our searching for something bigger than ourselves. I believe we're searching for an encounter with God. And if this is exactly where you're at today, I want you to be encouraged because what we're going to see in this story is, is that even though Jacob was in this place of brokenness, God reaches down to him. God reaches down to him in his brokenness. You see, God extended his promise to Jacob in spite of his brokenness. The encounter was yet another example that God's plan cannot be thwarted. God's plan cannot be stopped from our brokenness. You see, in, in Genesis chapter 12, God had made a promise to Abraham. Jacob's grandfather, he promised him, he told him to, to leave his, his relatives and go to a land that he would show him. And God promised that he would give him this land, that he would make him into a mighty nation, and that all the peoples on earth would be blessed through him. And now God has come to Jacob to let Jacob know in the middle of his brokenness that he is a part of fulfilling that promise. And so what I want to do is I want to compare some, some verses, some, some verses that talk about the promise that God has given to Abraham and then the verses of the promises that God is reassuring Jacob of in his dream. Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. And this is the land that God would promise him that he would receive. And then in Jacob's dream, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you, and I'm, going, I'm giving it to you and your descendants. I mean, isn't it interesting that the, the very place when, when Jacob is running from the problems he created in his own life, broken, the very place he decides to take a rest is on the very land that God has promised to Abraham and is now promising to him. But the promise was about more than land. Let's keep going. Genesis 12, again, a promise to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And then Jacob's dreams. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. You see, Abraham is gone, right? Isaac is, is growing old, and now God is telling Jacob that he is still going to fulfill his promise. And then he actually is going to fulfill his promise through Jacob. That all the, that, that he would receive the land, that he would become a mighty nation, and that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. You see, Jacob's brokenness, the, the terrible things that he did to his own family, all that brokenness did not stop God from fulfilling his promise. 
Because the fulfillment of God's promise wasn't based on Jacob's character. It wasn't based on who Jacob was. It was based on Jacob's or on God's character alone. Do you know that part of that promise that has been given to Jacob is a promise to us as well? Remember, it says, all families on the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. You see, what that means is that regardless of the mistakes that you have made, the people that you have, been, that you have hurt, the, the, regardless of, of the brokenness that you experienced from somebody hurting you, none of that stuff is going to stop God from fulfilling his promise to us. Because God is fulfilling his promise based on who he is and who he is alone. A loving, a gracious, a forgiving, and a compassionate God. And it's here in God fulfilling his promise that we can see Jesus in Genesis. Jacob had a vision of a stairway connecting heaven to earth. This stairway was a symbol of Jesus himself, the only way to heaven. You know, a lot of people have described religion as, as man's way to, to get to God. But see, that's what makes Christianity different. Because Christianity is about God reaching down to us. About God providing a way for us. Let's continue with Jacob's dream in 28 verse 12. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. You know, Jesus references this exact verse when he has a conversation with one of his disciples, Nathaniel, in John 1. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. You see, Jesus wasn't only declaring that, that he was the Son of Man, he was, he was letting them know that he was the stairway, that he was the way to God, that he was the fulfillment of the promise. Look what Jesus said in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Did you know that Jesus is a direct descendant of Abraham through the line of Jacob? If you can go to Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 3, and you can trace the lineage of Jesus all the way back to Abraham. Just as God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that all the families of the earth would be blessed through them, he fulfilled that promise through Jesus. And it was on this kind of this lonely night where Jacob was running from his problems 
struggling with those emotions, broken, that God chose to reveal to him what the fulfillment of that promise would be. A stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of God's promise. But you know, it's important for you to remember that that promise is also for you. And that your brokenness is not going to stop God from fulfilling that promise. His promise is if we put our trust in Jesus, this stairway from heaven to earth, that we would be forgiven of our sins and, and, be, and, and have a relationship with God. Access to God. And I want to encourage you, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, don't walk away from this promise. This promise of peace and hope in the middle of our dysfunction and brokenness. Because our dysfunction and brokenness will never stop God from fulfilling his promise in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, we, we exalt you for who you are, a loving, a gracious, and a marvelous God. And Lord, I thank you that um, you're a God who fulfills his promises. And Lord, I thank you for this promise that you have given to us that if we put our trust in Jesus, that you'll forgive us of our sins and we'll, be, uh, we'll have a relationship with you. So Lord, I pray that, that, um, that you would fulfill that promise in all of our lives today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.